It's Monday, November 25th, 2019, and coming up, could we see a Clippers-Lakers NBA Finals in the not-so-distant future? And also, a Michael Jackson biopic is in the works? We have all that and more in minutes. This is the tune-up. Good morning. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, here to gaslight the mind and bring knowledge to the blind. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, man? <laughs> Denny, you're a poet today. Oh, my. How was your weekend, man? What's up? Great. Full-on kids. Full-on kids. Oh I'm a beaten-down father. That's what I do. Oh, That's I, what I do. I have a tremendous dollar slice take for you, and yes, it, it involves <laughs> food coming up in just a little bit, but because you can never go from cold takes to hot takes, we warm up with our don't fuck this up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me. Don't fuck it up. Fix, 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 Benny, because the away team has always has first licks, you go first. Ah, this week, we go my boy uh, Mikey Bloomberg, oh. who, who went ahead and threw out a $30 million ad campaign to uh, throw himself into the mix for, uh, for Prez oh, as the... the the fiscally minded Prez, another person jumping on the backs of the horrors of 9-11. Yeah, so don't fuck this up, Bloomy. There's a lot at stake here, okay? <laughs> All right, so my don't fuck this up person of the week. And, you know, if if we did this on film, who's ever in charge of this operation, I'd, I, I'd ask which camera to look in and stare right into the hearts and minds of America. And I have a simple plea for Mr. Rob Gronkowski. That's right, Gronk. You've already outkicked your coverage. You're dating Camille Costic. And I would say that for anyone who, you know, truly in love, to at least publicly admit that they outkicked their coverage. But here's my plea to Gronk, all right? Nobody expects you to be the next Michael Strahan. Because on Sunday, Benny, he showed up on the set of the Fox NFL pregame show. And I don't know how you feel about turtlenecks but i don't think that they really have a place on the sports media landscape as far as rob gronkowski the pride of the university of arizona the pride of boston sports and that whole barstool culture yeah so i'm super disappointed and but here's the thing about it my man out is showing up looking like he's gonna do slam poetry rather than break down blocking schemes and i get it it keeps you on football keeps you in the public eye but for those of us like myself that hope Gronk becomes the next Dwayne Johnson, Sunday was disappointing because just as The Rock shouldn't be known for ballers, Gronk should be about more than football. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with this one. Gronk is a uh, just don't don't talk, <laughs> just 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 dance in your muscle shirts. Let's leave it at that. And throw crazy parties before the yeah, Super Bowl in yeah. South Beach. That looks I, amazing. I got no interest in the, in the uh, insight of Rod Gronkowski. <laughs> that, that does nothing for me. But, of course, I'm biased. All right, Benny. First topic. The NBA is engaged in, quote-unquote, serious discussions mm -hmm. with the NBA Players Association and broadcasting partners on sweeping dramatic changes to the league. Uh, they're considering, including receding the playoffs, to have the top 16 teams, a 30-team in-season tournament, and a postseason play-in tournament, which all sounds very collegiate and not really NBA. My commentary, not in the official memo. These scenarios would come with the shortening of the regular season to 78 games. Okay. Uh, discussions about this uh, could happen as soon as the league meetings in April. 
and would go into effect for the 2021-2022 season. Mm-hmm. Benny, a lot to digest here, but your yeah. overall impressions of what this would mean for the NBA and the sport going forward into the 2020s. Uh, I like most of it. Yes. Um, I do. I think it's cool. I think the NBA has always uh, been ahead of the game as far as uh, changing the game with the times and making sure that things were staying cutting edge and the, the issues that basically the antithesis of Major League Baseball or something, you know, the, mm. the league that's willing to make changes. I mean, everybody forgets it wasn't very long ago that the three-point line got brought. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that they had two seasons where the three-point line got brought in. Everybody forgets that. Mm. They go look at the career three-point percentage of Glenn Rice or Dennis <laughs> Scott, and there was a reason. It was because they were shooting like 22-foot three-pointers. So I, I like uh, most of the things about this. The, there is a caveat, though. Yes. I, I really don't understand the concept of this mid-season tournament. No, me neither. Um, and I do believe that this reduced 78-game schedule would be a caveat for the tournament to exist. Mm. So I have a feeling that the because of the, the, the massive loss of revenue and these owners giving up four games, they're not going to give it up for nothing. And I think their caveat for that was having this in-season tournament that you can rebrand, re-advertise, do things for the lower level teams to have a chance to showcase themselves a little, but I don't like it. Right. And for now I don't see it and I don't really understand it. Maybe it's because I don't really understand the model of <laughs> European soccer yeah. sometimes. And sometimes I look at the tables and I see the tournaments and I'm like, wait, who the fuck actually won this thing? Right. Who's actually the best team? Yeah. Who's actually the best premier league team? Who's the best team in Europe? And, and I like the idea that, in in our sports, in American sports, we have this road to the finals, and and even though maybe it's not the uh, always the clearest example of who's best, at least you have this definitive winner and loser. I really like the reseeding of the final four teams in the playoffs. As you noted in the introduction, this would give the opportunity for a Clippers Lakers final. Yeah. Um, and. And that's Knicks final. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the point of the midseason tournament. But, um, I mean, and, and imagine if we had had that through the – I mean, the Western Conference finals has had determined the finals, uh, you know, a couple times yeah. through the years. So what if that Warriors-Rockets was a final? Yeah. Um, it probably should have been that year. Uh, I really like that, and I think that could be very cool. And I really like this – lower level uh, uh, play-in game for the tournament teams, particularly for something in the West this year. So so the way this works is the seven and eight seeds have a play-in game. Mm. Winner goes in. Then the nine and 10 seeds play each other and play the loser of the seven, eight seed, which means a 10 seed can win two games and get into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and in the West currently... Six through 11, you have the Phoenix Suns, the Wolves, the Kings, the Pelicans, who will have Zion in tow at that point, and the Spurs. So all of a sudden, you're getting really quality Western teams where easily I could see an 11 seed, a 10 seed coming in and taking out an 8 seed right towards the end of the year. Mm. And that team building a little momentum is going in to face the 1 seed. 
which kind of makes that tour, you know, yeah. that that game a little more interesting mm. and that tournament, uh, that series a little more interesting. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Everything but the uh, the midseason tournament, I think I'm on board with. See, what's interesting about this, and I feel like there's always billionaire speak and there's always owner speak. They're like, oh, we're going to shorten the regular season to 78 games, but we're going to add potentially four, six more games. Yeah. So they may actually be adding more games to the schedule between the midseason yeah. tournament and the play. There are some teams that, that would have a, a, a proposed 83-game so schedule. So the owners are making more money. More money. If- and yeah. the, the, the other thing with the NBA that I think is going to be interesting in the next couple of years. So the current CBA ends in the 2023-2024 season. Obviously, the amount of games is going to be a big topic there. Mm-hmm. And the, then the TV deal ends the season after that. So they'd be renegotiating in this new era of, of, of streaming and whatever television looks like in five years from now. But they're trying, they're trying to sell this as they're the player's best friend. Right. When really... In five years, if, if they're offering 78 games, the broadcast partners are going to offer less money. And then that's not good for the owners. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, you also have this in-season tournament. You have guys not playing in games that go in toward the standings and the playoffs. You're going to mean to tell me that you're going to have that, that guys that take load management in November games mm-hmm. and December games are going to want to play in a tournament that really doesn't mean much toward making That's the right. playoffs. That's right. So I find a lot of this far-fetched, but I think the reason why the NBA is putting all this out there is they're like, if we get three of these four things, we'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the only issue, and, and you just said it, is that um, I do think that this tournament is the, the caveat for the 78-game schedule, mm. and I don't think that's going to play. And also, uh, what you said, if this 78-game schedule is supposedly now the answer for load management... It's not the case. Right. And you're still going to have players load managing. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard played 60 games last year. This has nothing to do with 78 mm. or 82. Yeah. He's still going to take a rest. So, you know, if we're really trying to address that problem, they still need to to come up with some solution. We don't know what it is, mm. but they need to come up with some solution for load management. I had heard uh, Jalen Rose bring up a possible um, docking of game pay. You don't play. Paying players per game rather than per season. Again, the 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 CBA yeah, <laughs> would never allow right. this. But you know, w- w- people are really going to great lengths to try to come up with an answer for this load management problem, and which is going to persist if they right. don't if they don't do something about it. Most of these guys are playing year round anyway, especially every two to four years. There's either like a FIBA event, the Olympics, so it's become mm. a twelve month sport. Sure. You're meaning to tell me, and this is the part that I never got about the preseason. This is the part that I never got about all of this stuff. And I, players say all the time how 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 it takes 30 games to get into actual game shape yeah. again. Yeah. And I buy that. But at like the same time, you're meaning to tell me in the era of science we live in, okay, how guys can come back from ACLs in you know between seven and eight months and we still haven't figured how to speed up getting guys in game shape yet so all like <laughs> i'm mean, not calling it, bullshit on all of this but it's kind of like okay i think we can get these guys warmed up faster i think you could cut out some of the preseason but yet again you're cutting out out revenue so we can pretend like this is a basketball conversation but this is at the end of the day a business it's an entertainment industry <laughs> danny it's an entertainment industry and we must entertain the people <laughs> 
So I'm allowed to do Jewish guy accent. You're not. <laughs> Keeping it in the NBA, Benny, the Lakers are 14-2. and two, But LeBron is playing 35 minutes a game, which I know sounds like a lot, but it's actually near his career low. But what's interesting about these 35 minutes from LeBron, in the past it was he just all on offense. But LeBron, this regular season in November, is locked in on defense, which most people would say, oh, that's a scary sign for the rest of the league. I say, can he do this till June? Not so sure. Anyway, the Lakers have been winning, but these easy games have been few and far between for them, i.e. hanging on to beat Memphis the other day. They've got to load manage LeBron at some point, right? Because, you know, with LeBron and the Lakers, it's always a championship or bust. Yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna, and you're gonna see him get spelled at points through the season. But mm. as you noted already, 35 minutes a game is the lowest of his career mm. already. And Anthony Davis is 26 years old. And uh, aside from last year's debacle, had started in <laughs> 75 plus games the two years prior. I, I think his health concerns seem to be moving in the past. And you see that sometimes, those guys who have a lot of chips and stuff in their early 20s and then and then just piece together health like mm. by their mid to late 20s. He seems to be hitting that stride. And he's the horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's still the one that is going to be – he's going to be ridden the most. I think, again, what's interesting with not only the 35 minutes is also five and a half free throw attempts a game, also a career low. Lowest true shooting percentage since 0607 with his highest assist rate in his career. So I think what you're seeing right now is like the idea that the Lakers had last year, right? Where they're going to build a team around this new LeBron, this like Mm. back to the basket LeBron. Like now I'm an old man and out of nowhere, (laughs) I'm just going to create this like left and right back to the basket Mm. game because I'm LeBron. It's kind of never been him. And I think it was a bit of a fool's errand, like what they were going after last year. And and I don't know how much LeBron was in on that decision. It didn't seem like it made a lot of sense. But this year, you know, what's cool about it is I've been saying this for a long time. The the comps for LeBron against Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or somebody like that have been wildly unfair from the start of his career. And I've never liked it. It's not his game. And I've always likened his game the most to magic johnson and now i think you're seeing like like exactly like where lebron's supposed to be at this stage of his career you know what i mean Mm. he's a gigantic point guard who can see over everyone on the floor who can take it to the rim whenever he feels like it can shoot a little bit and now has a team who's massively big which means lebron does not have to cover fours he does not have to cover fives which is again a big relief for his minutes and you had early in the season a uh, banged-up team, no Rondo, no Kuzma. Now they have some depth, again, being able to spell his minutes. And the idea that this is going to be the same team in a couple months, right. also not true. You're probably going to add, like, an Iguodala. You're going to add someone like that. So I do think it's sustainable. And I think that that this is – it's always been the same with the Lakers season. If you manage this well – and you piece it together and you go week by week by week, I think this is sustainable. If you just go all fucking in crazy, crazy right now, <laughs> yeah. then it's not sustainable. But I also think you're seeing, uh, you're going to see them beating up on the lower tier teams through the end of the year, where I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, those those Warriors teams who, you know, they, they 
the starters would play 75 plus games a year, but they kind of average like under 30 minutes because they never played fourth quarters. <laughs> I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, a lot of this is my confirmation bias. The fact that the Lakers were my pick for the Western <laughs> Conference champion uh, preseason, and I'm looking pretty good on that. Uh, what do you think, Danny? Didn't we kind of see a version of this last year? You know, I think the Lakers were as up high as third at one point last year. Mm-hmm. Then LeBron gets hurt on Christmas. I don't think this team can afford for LeBron to miss any time. You know, and I know, like, yes, the, he could sit at the occasional game here. I uh, know they, they play the Blazers next week. That may not be a bad day for him to, to sit, especially with how the Blazers have been performing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think... For the Lakers, if LeBron say say he misses on you know two three weeks with like a strained calf, that may be. I mean they've they built this cushion and and I think that's a really smart thing that Frank Vogel has done here early on. He's like, all right, we have everybody healthy. Let's try to get as many wins as possible. And if they can get between you know they're they're already close to the twenty win mark. I think it should be attainable at this current pace to get between, you know, like the 25 and 30 by the beginning of February. I mean, granted, they're not going to like play 20 games and lose two games all the time. Like you're going to go through your peaks and valleys of of the season, especially in those January and February stretches where it gets very tough and teams either are terrible and start performing well Mm -hmm. or vice versa. So do I think this is sustainable for the Lakers? I don't because I think at some point, you know, LeBron turns 35 the end of December and, you know, you start to pick up injuries along that time and there's not enough hyperbaric chambers in Brentwood to cure aging, right? I mean, I think, though, you could make that same contention for literally every single team in the NBA, which is if your best player goes down for a month, you're going to slip in the standings. Of course. Yeah, and it happened, to, it happened to LeBron last year, and it would happen to kind of any team. And I actually don't agree with that, that sense of urgency that they need to win every regular season game because the way the West is panning out right now, there is, there's a top six. Yeah. And then there's a huge drop-off right. that the Lakers spelling LeBron and AD stay oh. well out of that seven and eight I'm seed. I'm not saying that they're going to be anywhere near the bottom, I especially think, when Kuzma's yeah, getting healthy. Yeah, I think the Lakers are looking at, let's get in the top four seeds, let's stay home, uh, and let's do what we have to do to stay there. I mean, they're patting themselves pretty well with a 14-2 yeah. start. Right, exactly. So I, I, I think they're, they're going to be right there. I have no doubt that the combination of Anthony Davis, a healthy Kuzma, and Danny Green can win you some games. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Dwight Howard. You're a boy. <laughs> My boy, that's right. <laughs> I think one of the unreleased podcasts, I, I I had a bold prediction about Dwight Howard. When we first started this thing, one of the first things I said to you is the combination of yoga and beach volleyball for Dwight Howard changed man. They better die in L.A. a whole lot more green. He's slimmed down. But I'm not going to take credit for any of that, especially since I don't think. Show it to me in April, May, and June. Show it to me come playoff time. And right now, for the Lakers, they have a big hurdle that's sitting in their own building. Yep. All right. It's time. Your favorite segment, my favorite segment, probably Benny's least favorite segment. It's time for your our dollar <laughs> slice take of the week. Benny, what do you got this week? So baseball's having a lot of problems, right? Yeah. It's uh it's got a bit of an image problem. Um the best player in baseball. Uh, most people don't know who it is. That's a problem. Uh, the winner of a World Series 
is a gigantic cheater. And that's going to be a problem. Baseball is an optics issue, yeah. right? And and it's no fun for kids. It was a low-rated World Series. So here's my idea. Let's juice baseball up a little and have yeah. some fun. What about bigger balls? What about 200-foot fences? And what about each team having a roaming defender on the base paths who is allowed to impede a base runner in baseball and block a base. <laughs> Come on. So, is that not a dollar slice steak or what? Let's what juice baseball it? up. Let's juice baseball. Are you thinking of Caddyshack too? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Randy Quaid with this one. I was going Randy Quaid all the way. The movie with 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 the twins that kind of invented the ball in, in the glove. Oh, basketball. Yeah, basketball. basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. <laughs> South Park, guys. Yeah, I was thinking of Randy Quaid from Caddyshack 2 when he proposed a uh, a hockey player blocking the golf holes, which I thought was great. This was kind of where my motivation was. Oh what do you think? Gosh. Um, Let's juice baseball up the right yep, way. Okay. Real juicing. If, if we're going to fucking juice it, right? Yeah. If, if yeah. We have to do... You know when you're a little kid and you can't quite hit home runs with like a wiffle ball or like a regular baseball? Sure. I never really figured it out. So you, all right, I didn't either, but you bring out the metal bats, okay? Yes. But instead of a regular baseball, and this is good, if you're a baseball purist, just tune out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I think I lost him on roaming defender <laughs> of the basketball base and Caddyshack yeah, yeah, yeah. too. But uh, no, if uh, you get, you, you bring out, out the metal bats and mm-hmm. then you bring out tennis balls, right? But you move the fence even further back. Oh, we got. I think we need to bring in an actual physicist right now to tell us if a tennis ball can actually clear 400 feet at any point hit by anything. Is that even possible? I know that it can definitely clear neighbors' houses in a single swoop. Okay, single okay. Strike. So we'll get a physicist for this. For the actually. Eh? My Uncle Shell is a physicist. Oh. You want me to speak <laughs> yes, to him? Yes, yes. All right, let's, I'll talk let's, to him. Let's, let's get Uncle Shell let's, on the podcast. Let's bring, a, let's bring in Uncle Shell. He talks very, very low. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to boost his mic. All right, Benny. My dollar slice take of the week is inspired by a crazy Saturday. N- no, it's uh, it, it's inspired by a, a great meal that I had last night. It was a f- flight of mac and cheese. And flight as in like a beer flight. Okay. But came... With three different kinds of mac and cheese. It came oh, with like a buffalo mac and cheese. It came with a regular mac and cheese. And it came with a like crab, lobster, some sort of seafood combination. Where the fuck were you on Whoa. Saturday? <laughs> I gave a free plug. No, just kidding. Uh, great place by U- Union Square Park. Phenomenal. So they have this nice flight. And I'm thinking. So mac and cheese flutes. Okay. Yes, flutes. We need more foods on flights. Why is it just reserved for beer? Whiskey, obviously now mac and cheese. Imagine a cheeseburger flight, a bratwurst flight. Heck, let's get even fancier than that. Imagine you're at like company Christmas party mm-hmm. and they just start bringing around, I don't know, like quesadilla flights. Three different kinds of quesadillas. Because it's really cura- like like you're curating the food, you're curating any kind of thing that you want. So my, that, heck, Pizza flights. Let's go. Let's get crazy. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> if sports on this podcast is like the one A section of the newspaper, let's turn the page now. Let's let's get a little glitzy and let's get a little techie. How about mm, that? Mm. 
According to the Hollywood Reporter, a Michael Jackson biopic is in the work from some of the guys that put together the James Bond movies. Interesting combination. Mm -hmm. And one of the producers behind Bohemian Rhapsody. The new project has been approved by the Michael Jackson estate. And it's allegedly going to get into everything from the Jackson 5 through the legal allegations. Yes. But I kind of more want to get your take on these music biopics. And which figures in musical history would you want to see a musical biopic of? Uh, the, the one thing I was wondering first with this question was, in order to make a biopic, does the career have to be over? Oh. You know, like, like are you uh, kind of blowing your watt <laughs> if you do a biopic on someone at 40 and then they have a great 30 years, you know, or, or something like that? So are you allowed to do a biopic if someone's still around? I'll allow it. You'll allow it. That's okay. It. So here's my list. Came up with a list. Couple obvious ones because of last year. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see a Prince one? Oh. I mean, and especially from a sports background, because I I mean, what don't I love about a scene about Prince balling in high school? Because you know he balled in high (laughs) school. Yeah. He balled. He balled hard. Jump shot was wet. (laughs) So I want to see that. Uh, How about a a Tom Petty and band? Oh, be great, especially now. Um, there is a, a really fantastic Tom Petty documentary already out there that covers a lot of ground about mm. his, his background. But uh, I think the thing most interesting for me about him, he had this amazingly complex and cool relationship with like his band and the people he played with and particularly his drummer. <laughs> uh, so so I do find that one really interesting. Joe Strummer in The Clash. Mm. That one would be great. Mm. I mean, the the you know the story about how he came up, how they met, you know, sort of how they they popped in the U.S. before they popped there, but but the political element to his and and really like uh, who who could give you more quotable sections in a film than Joe Strummer? <laughs> Pretty good. Here's going into my your your story's not over to start it. I'd love to see a Henry Rollins one. Yeah, I mean Henry Rollins is one of those people. Who, so so? There's a an excerpt from a book. He he wrote a book called "Get in the Van," which was a, an early story about him traveling around with Black Flag, being in vans and this and and he he uh, there's one section of that book where he talks about playing small bar somewhere. Literally, I mean, these guys weren't going and playing scenes around America. They were creating scenes around America. Mm. They were like the first hardcore band to to go to Texas, you know, to do mm. this kind of shit. So they're playing at like, you know, honky tonk bars with like three people and Henry Rollins is writing about how he was he was in a bad stretch of tour. He was tired, he was angry, and he kind of he, he he bombed the show. You know what I mean? He punted it. He he didn't care. And 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 got messed up by his band directly after yelled at you know almost like physically accosted saying that you never punt a show and you never give one up because that could be uh the first time someone's ever seeing you and and you need to make that impression forever and i've taken that a step further in my career where i'm like i'm like holy shit like every time you play this could be like the first time somebody ever sees a show ever sees music could be the fucking last time you know what I mean? It could be like, like you never know. Like, the, like these events have some seriously impactful connotations for for many many things. So the idea of like punting one of them when you put it in that context seems crazy. Uh, 
So, so that's like a little story about why I think the Henry Rollins one would be so good. And now here's my, my deep cut that I would like to see is a biopic about Guru, the main MC from Gangstar and Jazzmatazz. Now, I know it's kind of a deep cut, but his story was so cool. He came up in like the Roxbury section of Boston. Uh, mom was a judge, you know, had kind of a professional background and, and went to good schools and did all that and wound up moving to New York to go to FIT and f- started gangstarring, you know, did the Brooklyn thing and got into hip hop. And he may have started prior to that. You know, I don't have the whole story. That's why I need the biopic. But, um, <laughs> but he had an untimely death. He died early. And uh, there was some bizarre drama towards the end of his life where he was in a coma and the person he was uh, uh, working with and his production partner at the time had said that he slipped out of a coma and penned one last letter to his fans and things like that. And all of his best friends and family and DJ Premier and all these people say it's not true. And it never happened. And there's a, and said that they denied access to him towards the end of his life and things like that. So, And to top it off, Guru's son is now in uh, the new Gangstar video that they released posthumously with his old with his old uh, verses, and in the same way that Ice Cube's son in uh, Straight Outta Compton was a, a quite a good Ice Cube comp, I could see Guru's son maybe slipping in and being in the biopic. Mm. So one other thing I wanted to ask you yeah. in this in this context because it's something that I've been wondering a lot lately is so. We didn't reference the fact that this is a Michael Jackson biopic. Right. Clearly, there are transgressions or, you know, potential things in his life that, if they were true, should sully his career and should sully his image in some way and should make you question whether you listen to the music in good faith or not. Sadly, with this one, I I mean, with the amount of shit on either side... It's like so impossible for a normal person to know what the mm. fuck happened, and yeah. you have to make some b- bizarre personal decision based on like zero facts. So you don't put a separation between the person and the music. No, I do. Okay. And this is where I'm asking: like, is it appropriate to make a biopic about someone who is alleged to do the things they did, and what do these people need to do? to get back in the good graces of people if they decide to to admit to things and move on. Like, like I think we're in this era of cancel culture and gotcha culture, and there seems to be a big difference to me and what some people do and what some people are willing to let some people get away with and things like that. Even when I was thinking about this quickly, you know, like Mike Tyson, he beat his wife. No mm. one gives a shit anymore. You know what I mean? Ray Lewis, like, watched a guy get murdered. Nobody, Allegedly. You know what I mean? Like, no one really cares anymore. Because, you know, they did certain things in their life that allowed people to forget. And I think, you know, like a Miles Garrett or someone, mm. because it's like an on-field thing that doesn't really have, like, a crazy personal context. Like, you can go ahead and forgive these guys. But, like, Woody Allen, you know, Louis C.K., you know, like, Michael Richards, like, people like that. 
like when do you start forgiving people when is it okay to let them back in the fold if ever if it was me i i would not make make this movie but if you're if that really comes down to a person's worldview mm-hmm. and if your goal is to make a lot of money of course this movie is going to make sure. a lot of money but if you're and the guys who wrote james bond yeah probably are into and money they butchered the legacy of queen <laughs> um but no so if the intention is to tell the michael jackson story then that's one thing but if the intention is to honor michael jackson see honoring and telling someone's story are two different things because the queen biopic completely meant to honor freddie mercury queen that whole thing but if you're telling like the full story of michael jackson Mm -hmm. that's a much deeper and different movie than just getting to hear thriller three times in 90 minutes sure and that you know that's the thing i question about this thing in general is like so you know they're planning on covering from when he got popular, which means they're not going into his childhood, right. which was fucking awful. Yeah. And then the fact that they, uh, the estate of Michael Jackson allowed all of the music, mm. Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson music. This isn't uh, something you just give away willy nilly. Mm. Like, this is a big fucking deal that they gave up those songs to this. I have to imagine they did it with protections. Yeah. And they're like, you can have these things if. You don't make them look like this. You don't cover the early childhood. You don't sully our family totally. So I do think it's going to be like mostly a Hollywood puff piece. Mm. And I think that's a problem. They could make this a really dark movie if they want or a really sure. honest movie. It could either be like a Bohemian Rhapsody or it. The ironically, I, I think it could also be like a like indie movie that's like very emotional. And I think... Somebody else wouldn't be able to capture like the motivations behind him, what makes someone work as hard as he did, and all that stuff, and all of the other extracurriculars that Michael got into. So it's 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 so unbelievably complicated. But you're right. If if the Jackson family, if his estate gave the permission for the music, there's there's definitely qualifiers, and Gotta be. you're you're working from a story that's more of a Disney movie than exactly. a actual thing. Exactly. Only thing that would make this somewhat passable is Chadwick Boseman as young Quincy Jones. <laughs> Next topic. Elon Musk. Love him. The guy himself. What a weirdo. <laughs> so Tesla announced last week the Cybertruck. The electric pickup will be offered in three models, a single motor version with a battery range of up to 250 miles for a 39 grand, a measly 39 grand, a dual motor version with a battery range of 300 plus miles starting at 49 grand, and a tri-motor version with a range of 500 plus miles starting at 69,900. Nice. We retweeted a pic of this at TuneUpHQ on Twitter. That's our handle. That's our t- handle on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check that out. But, Benny, do you think this thing will ever see the road? Because this looks like it looks like the DeLorean from Back to the Future took steroids. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, when you first look at it, the instinct is obviously just be like, what the fuck is going on here? 
But I got to be honest, the more and more I like every single article I open for this, the more and more I look into it, with the exception of throwing a rock through their own window. Uh, <laughs> this thing is pretty amazing. Mm. Uh, everything about it from like, you know, the space to the, um, you know, the unusual amount it can drive on the power, the unusual amount it can tow. Uh, take this from me, Denny. I, I've been towing things around America for like half my life at this point. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of a machine with a strong towing capacity. And the idea that you could actually like literally load a fucking band trailer and you could pull it on the back of this tri-engine thing like pretty easily. So you literally tore in this pickup truck, you know, which would be pretty amazing. Um, the fact that they're using... Oh, I see your angle here. You are trying... Oh, man, this is perfect. The next Mercy Union gas tank. You're trying to get the Tesla sponsorship. Elon, you hearing me? Thinking millions of miles ahead of the rest of us. You hearing me, Elon? I'm playing checkers. You're playing chess. Anyway, continue. <laughs> you hearing me, Elon? Well, I like the one thing he did. First off, during the unveiling, what the fuck was up with Morpheus coming out of the back of that truck? <laughs> that shit was ridiculous with the leather coat, the glasses, the whole deal. Um, but then I liked how he, uh, you know, he claimed to get, what, 170,000 pre-orders or something yeah, so far? For or no, he claimed to have 170,000 orders. Right, and 187,000. But yeah. apparently, in order to be qualified as an order, all you had to do was put a $100 refundable deposit yeah. on something that isn't even going in production the earliest models are going to production in 2021. Mm. This this tri-engine model is not going to production until the end of 2022. I have to imagine a bunch of people are going to get their $100 refundable <laughs> deposit back prior to the production. So I wonder what the real numbers are uh, as opposed to these inflated numbers. I feel like we had the same conversation when he announced the Tesla in like the first place. Be yeah. like, get out of here. It's never going to happen. So Elon Musk can do a lot of things now. There's a whole conversation about the Tesla SpaceX workers and their rights and whether they're overworked that we can talk about. Oh, is about. that a thing? That's a thing? It's a thing. But I don't want to anger any of the tech Illuminati over here. Yeah, yeah. But- well, the podcast will just disappear, Denny, <laughs> along with us. You don't want to get black bag these days. Super easy. Super easy. <laughs> I might put a fucking lojack in myself if, if, we, if we keep talking shit. <laughs> we can't talk too much about Elon Musk. No, but... I no, mean, listen. I like Elon. I've yeah. been an Elon Musk supporter. I, I know he's done a couple personal things that are a little strange. Mm. But he's a really strange guy. Yeah, but I mean, geniuses, and I don't use that word for him, but you know, people that are eccentric have ideas. You know, yeah. they, they, they typically... Don't tend to zig and zag with the rest of us. Well, it's funny you brought up John DeLorean because when he first came out and all of this came out, I had a hard time delineating, is this guy John DeLorean? Mm. And at this By the point... Way, they're make, speaking of biopics, they're making one about him. Well, him they should. Yeah. And I had that, a friend... That's a crazy story. By the way, another side story. My friend Steve Lunen in high school got his number and prank called him. He lived in New Jersey. <laughs> He was pretty cool about it. Yeah. He was actually pretty cool about it. He called and said, hey, John, you got any DeLoreans left? And he said, nah, I wouldn't even know where to get one. If I, he, was, he played it off. He was fun. But uh, you know what I like about this truck, though? What? Is I think it's going to have, like, uh, all this cool camping stuff as part of it. And I think they're going to sell, like, trailer components mm. and trailer add-ons because it's made for three people, okay? It's made for people like me who like to travel around and be useful. 
It's made for people who think the world is going to end and need a truck with the SpaceX cold rolled steel <laughs> to protect them from it. And it's made for just stray fucking yuppie douchebags. <laughs> and I guess a lot of them are buying them between the three. So There's got to be a lot of cross-pollination between the yeah. three, right? So Elon's doing well. But the cutting edge is always ridiculed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is. And, and when you see something for the first time and it's not part of a narrative yet and it's not part of what you're used to seeing, I think you're going to see that strange reaction. But I have a feeling with this one that it's, it's going to take and it's real. All right, we're running out of time on this podcast, so it's time. Speaking of, you you just brought up artificial intelligence, you know, and this is almost anti, this is artificial anti-intelligence. It's time for our token meme of the week. Artificial anti-intelligence. Wow, that's good. <laughs> that's going to be the name of this that's episode good. of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Benny, what do you got this week? The token meme is those... Harvard and Yale kickers, the kickers who, when people came out onto the field with their giant signs protesting climate change in the middle of uh, in the middle of this game, these guys just kept going, kept booting their field goals in front of thousands of people (laughs) protesting. And they will forever, forever be enshrined in uh, in 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 as protest jokes. They're they're now the Kylie Jenner of of kickers congratulations oh it's been a really heavy podcast i'm gonna lighten it up with the token meme person of the week benny i don't know if you saw this video but a bears fan at soldier field on sunday brought an entire pumpkin pie to the game and just was eating it in his seats you know he's just out here watching the the football game having some pumpkin pie tis the season Love Happy it. Thanksgiving. Love There's that guy. There's Pumpkin Pie Guy. You are my token meme of the week. That guy. That guy. That guy. <laughs> Plenty of ways to get in contact with this show. You can follow us on Twitter at the TuneUp HQ. You can follow us on Instagram at the TuneUp HQ. He is at Benny Horowitz, number one in your mind, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. And you can always email us at the tuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Benny, anything else? Just have a great week and everybody love everybody. You have been listening to The Tune Up.